Hi, and welcome back to my podcast. Um, this is Lana Lynn Marino, and welcome to another episode of my podcast series, uh, Wellness Journeys. Um, I'm an intuitive therapist, an energy healing therapist, and I'm here to give you some guidance support in some challenging times. So today I'm going to be talking about the chakras and animals. Now I mentioned in my last podcast, that I've recently got a beautiful little puppy and this little puppy is bringing up some very interesting challenges within me. Um, but more importantly, he's helping me to understand that uh, life isn't perfect, but it can be beautiful. And we are challenged every, every walk, every step, every moment, every second. Our mind can be changed just by an interaction with someone that has a negative point of view or challenges you on something that maybe you're defending. And if we're defending our wounding, if we're defending something from our past, then, you know, that is something that needs to be challenged. So journeys, journeys to wellness. Um, we can't really escape the fact that our past has been a journey. And as Caroline Mice talks about in Anatomy of the Spirit, she talks about our biography becoming our biology. And on page 40 of Anatomy of the Spirit, she goes on to say, according to energy medicine, we are all living history books. Our bodies contain our histories, every chapter, line and verse of every event and relationship in our lives. As our lives unfold, our biological health becomes a living, breathing, biographical statement that conveys our strengths, weaknesses, hopes and fears. Every thought you have had has travelled through your biological system and activated a physiological response. Some thoughts are like depth charges, causing a reaction throughout the body. A fear, for instance, activates every system of your body. Your stomach tightens, your heart races, your heart rate increases, and you may break into a sweat. A loving thought can relax your entire body. Some thoughts are more subtle and still others are unconscious. Many are meaningless and pass through the body like wind through a screen, requiring no conscious attention and their influence upon our health is minimal. Yet each conscious thought, and many unconscious ones, does generate a physiological response. All our thoughts, regardless of their content, first enter our system as energy. Those that carry emotional, mental, psychological or spiritual energy produce biological responses that are then stored in our cellular memory. Caroline Mice in her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, goes on to say that in this way, our biographies are woven into our biological systems gradually, slowly, every day. So on that note, um, I was speaking in my last podcast about my puppy and all six inches of him, who's very dependent on me at the moment to show him, to teach him to discipline him, but more importantly, to give him love. And the same can go to when we have children, you know, our, our babies, babies, puppies, kittens, babies, anything to do with baby, birth, new life. 
is dependent on us as adults that have grown um, through our own experiences to be able to either project our pain onto that young one or to actually use our past as a way of not becoming the future for that little one that you're taking care of. So in that, what I mean is the victim can sometimes become the perpetrator. And we see this a lot. I see this a lot with working with clients that um, sometimes become abusive. They become objective to um, love and kindness. And they find it hard to trust. If we are trusting our instincts, if we are trusting the higher self, if we are trusting life as a new puppy, as a new baby, then they don't have the same experience as we've had. We've had a life of complex trauma in some shape or form on different levels. Subtle trauma, PTSD, um, can be in a very subtle place or it can be to the extreme. Trauma in childhood and in the early stages of life, as I'm talking about now with my puppy, if I were to start beating my puppy for pooing on the carpet or weeing in the wrong place, then that becomes the norm for him. That would make him believe, not think, because animals don't have the ability to um, differentiate thoughts and analyze things the same way that human humans do. But that would set up um, a belief that um, it would be normal for him to expect a beating every time he went to poo in the same place. So he would keep pooing in the same place, knowing that he's going to get a beating. But by extending love and discipline and saying, naughty boy, naughty, and using a terminology that he starts to recognize that there's bad and there's good. When he does something good, when he scratches the door to go outside, then I give him a treat. I give him a reward, but I give him a reward not just in in something to eat, but also in a cuddle. And cuddles are so important. Even, you know, some people that I've worked with, some people that have suffered huge abuse, it's interesting that the one thing that they do remember are the cuddles and the love that they got. It's almost like they've accepted the crumbs from the table, but they know that they've, they were never gonna get the cake. So animals have chakras. I've discovered just the same way as humans. They have auras too. Um, dogs and cats both have, have an energy body and each have their own chakra centers. So the animal chakra system also emits different color vibrations. And this is dependent on the shape and intensity of the energy in each center. The color schemes of the animal chakra system are similar as the human system is, and the functions are nearly the same. In four-legged animals, the main difference is that the alignment and chakra positions are often horizontal instead of vertical. So as humans, we stand on two feet, animals stand on four feet. So that makes so much sense. The energy field is usually much wider than in humans because 
of an animal's natural survival instinct. So the aura tends to absorb much more sensory information than humans. They receive and distribute every energy through each chakra individually, which makes them very sensitive to more subtle vibrations and the changes within the atmosphere or environment. All animals have an etheric chakra, and we're talking about the etheric chakra, which is the base chakra, um, just like humans. And most have, animals have eight major chakras instead of seven, which humans have, and up to 21 minor chakras and six smaller energy points known as bud chakras. That's four paw pads and the bud of skin at the opening of the ears. This is very interesting because you would never think that animals, we see animals as being just little bundles of joy or inconveniences, but animals are, they're an emblem of God. And from a Buddhist perspective, you know, everything as a life, if something is moving, if it's a microorganism in, you know, a, um, a water tank, if something is moving, it has life. And if it has life, then it has energy. Alongside the seven major chakras that animals share with humans, and that's the crown chakra, the third eye, which is the brow chakra, and that's in between our eyebrows, the throat chakra, the heart chakra, the solar plexus chakra, which is just below our breastbone, the sacral, which is by our belly button, and the root, there is another major chakra which, which is unique to animals only. Now, I didn't know this, um, and I was quite surprised and excited to read that uh, this eighth chakra is called the um, bra brachial or the key chakra. And most animals have eight major active chakras which play an important role in their general behavior. So these chakras can be stimulated and healed in a variety of ways. Now little Teddy, every morning, he gets a cuddle and he gets what I call an energy massage. Now, <laughs> To do this, what I do is I sit him on my lap and I literally, with my fingertips, very gently, very fastly, I exercise my fingers all over his body, mostly around his rib cage, coming up his spine, up to his neck, around to his throat, up to the top of his head and down, down to his snout, and then under, down into his chest and then down into his paws. So I'm doing this very fast. And what this does, I've learned, is it's actually creating energy, just like us when we go to the gym and we work out and we, has, we have a physical run, you know, we go for a jog and we're increasing the endorphins. So there's a, there's a ripple effect here with our animals that if we can learn to actually treat them the way that we would treat our, our own body, then that is the essence of actually giving love to this beautiful little creature. But what are we getting from that? What are we gaining from having a pet? Well, as I talked about in my last podcast, um, 
I talked about gratitude and depression and how can you have gratitude when you're depressed. And we have to think about depression as a mental health issue and our mental health needs looking after the same way that our physical health needs looking after. So depression is something that is there and research has shown that when you take an animal or a pet into a hospital ward with terminally ill patients, the vibration and that person's health system changes dramatically because they're experiencing the endorphins of happiness that are being transmitted through the brain. So there, it, it, it has a, a knock-on effect where the whole body becomes like a, a huge vibration that starts to pulsate at a higher level. Energy healing can greatly benefit any, any animal. Um, and similar to the human energy system, when an animal chakra is blocked or has insufficient energy, then the system becomes imbalanced. So I want to talk about this in the way that I just spoke about when an animal is mistreated. I've been to the West Indies many times and I've lived in Jamaica. I was in Jamaica at one point for over a month living with family. And I was living up in the hills in the, the country part. Now, obviously, there was a lot of poverty up there um, with people that barely could feed themselves, let alone their animals. And I remember one day going to this store and um, my family member had a puppy that they just got. Now the puppy was being reared as a, a guard dog, which most people in the Caribbean will raise a, a dog for purely to guard the house and to, 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 to be a guard dog, a watchdog for danger. But I went into this store and it was so funny because there was a lot of people in there. And I asked the the guy um, behind the counter, the old man, uh, for a particular brand of dog food. And it was like something out of um, <laughs> out of a movie because everyone in the shop, you know, that were chatting amongst themselves because this old man started laughing, just turned around. And some people had heard what I said and people started laughing. And basically this, this older gentleman said, you must be joking. We can hardly feed ourselves dog food. We don't sell dog food. Dogs will find their own food. They're, they eat what they're given. And it, it made me realize, it, it made me realize, you know, my naivety at that time, being very naive about other people and other people's survival in the world. And I think it started to open up in me the understanding of how different cultures treat animals. And, um, you know, going to India and seeing, being stuck in a traffic jam for nearly an hour because a cow was in front of our bus. And it, you know, the cow, as most of you will know, is seen as the, you know, a very sacred animal in that part of the world. But going back to the Caribbean and the West Indies, where this this family, my family that I was staying with, sadly, they had this beautiful little puppy and it was being rare to be a guard dog and just that. Ultimately, um, I started to notice as I was going around that how animals were treated and there was one animal in particular where I 
I literally sat down and cried because this animal was being beaten and it was horrible to watch and he didn't have no meat on him it was practically a skeleton so when I think now about and learning about the chakra system and animals that animal learning from a very young age as we do as children that life might not be safe and there's something that um, as humans as as elders as adults we have a responsibility to looking after our young people our children our puppies our kittens and animal chakras um, have shown me or learning about animal chakras has shown me that the way we look after ourselves and the way we look after other people has only to be beneficial for our mental health if I am choosing to hold my puppy and to bring love to him, then he will reciprocate that with bringing me love. So you can see how our biography becomes our biology. If I was hurt so much in my younger years, which I was on many levels, and I think back to my, my pet that I had, I wasn't the same looking after her as I am now looking after my young pet that I've got today. Sometimes I would get very angry with her and very upset. And why are you doing that? And why are you not listening to me? And I didn't have the understanding because I was still in a lot of pain from things that I'd experienced as a child. So it took a little while. And I'm not saying for any minute, any moment that, um, you know, as young people, you are not you are not capable of looking after a pet. I'm not saying that. But what we're shown, what we are shown by adults, if our parents have given us the right upbringing, if they've taught us the right moral, if they've given us the right moral compass, the right value system, and at the same time give us discipline and love, the way that I give my pet discipline, but equals amount of love. I don't hit Teddy. I don't really shout at Teddy, but I've got a certain tone that Teddy listens to. I begin to notice when, when he's afraid, if there's a bigger dog when we're walking down the road, then his ears go back. If he hears a noise that frightens him, that vibrates in his energy system, his ears go back, his eyes open wider, he's alert. As I was saying, if an animal chakra is blocked or has insufficient energy, then the system becomes imbalanced. And this can eventually result in behavior and emotional issues or a physical disease in the area connected to that chakra. So similar methods and techniques for healing chakra imbalances in humans can also be used on animals to restore balance and prevent or assist in healing related issues. Similar to the human system, each organ of the animal's body also corresponds to one of the chakras. So a specific physical issue can be targeted by directing energy towards the chakra related to the issue. Animals are much more perceptive of subtle energy than humans. And I think you will see this in the way that um, what I'm starting to understand and see is that 
if my puppy comes into contact with certain people, I've noticed that he barks a lot. If he comes into contact with people that I know are very loving, have very open hearts, it's almost like he goes to them, he just wants to sniff their hand. So he has a, a different response because what he we, we now know, he's actually feeding into and his perception is around that field. Animals can see energy fields the same way that we as humans have that skill over time and that gift to be able to see human energy fields and human chakras. Since animals are naturally more grounded and connected to the root chakra energy, then they have a more instinctually way of keeping the energy of their lower chakra centers in balance. So that means the more exercise you give your pet, the more connected he is to the earth, the more connected he is to Mother Earth, then the more you're going to get from him. It's hard to believe that dogs recently are being trained to um, discover COVID-19 in someone. And this is research recently that is it's something very new, but the way that dogs are trained to be a blind person's perception is the same thing. The higher chakras in an animal are often closed, but they can be opened and activated with assistance. And as I said earlier, this comes from, you know, when I give Teddy his, his morning energy massage and I take time to really exercise around the crown chakra, around his little head and throat. Before beginning any energy healing work on an animal, though, it helps to gently massage each energy center first. And so this helps the animal to become more relaxed and receptive. We have to remember that the animal health advice on this page that I'm reading is not intended to be used as a su substitute for, veter for a vet's medical treatment when necessary. Animal energy healing is often used as a supplementary practice along with traditional veterinary care. So I just wanted to add that at the end because, um, you know, I spoke to a friend recently and she suggested that I buy him some cheesy, snacky, kind of chewy things. And the first thing I said was, um, oh, I don't want him to have mucus forming food which when I look back on that statement, mucus form of food, I'm really talking to myself, knowing that what I put into my body has a consequence to pay. And I know that if I eat too much cheese, then I'm, mucus is building up in my body. I know if I'm eating too much meat, acid is building up in my body. So it makes sense that if you have a pet, um, you treat your pet the way that you would treat yourself. Animals are creatures that are given to us. They're God's creatures, whatever God means to you. And we have to respect them and love them and listen to them. The way that we listen to our own children, the way that we listen to other humans. The world at the moment is in a lot of pain. There's a lot of conflict globally with people 
not wanting to hear, but being forced to hear the voices of black lives, the voices of brown and people from different cultures, different races. It doesn't mean to say that um, we have to stop listening to ourselves. All it means is that we're opening up in transitional states of mind. We're in transition where we're starting to learn. We're starting to learn about other people. We're starting to learn about ourselves. We're starting to learn about our planet in a way that we've never learned before. We're going through a stage of evolution where just looking at a tree and seeing that that tree has so much life in it, so much energy, and what we can learn from looking at life. This adds on to learning about our own mental state and the healing process that can come about just by learning to be in nature, learning to listen to our pets, our children, children of the world. I want to leave you with um, something that... I read every day and it's something that has helped me to open up to life and to open my heart to the loveliness of life and to understand that life doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Let nothing grieve thee and be thou angered at none. It behoveth thee to be content with the will of God and a true and loving and trusted friend to all the peoples of the earth, without any exceptions, whatever. This is the quality of the sincere, the way of the saints, the emblem of those who believe in the unity of God. And that comes from the Baha'i Holy Scriptures. You've been listening to myself, Lana Lynn Marino. I hope that you are well. Um, I hope your journey today, whatever you choose to do, is a good one. Take care. And please, if you want to send me a message, you can do through my um, Anchor FM message um, line, which is, I think I'm going to be able to add that at the end of this this podcast but um you can also find me on all the different platforms of podcast and others so take care my wellnessjourneys.co.uk website has an update of uh, different workshops that I'm running although that some of them have been sustained simply because or stopped simply because of covid But I look forward to being with you again. Take care. Have a great day. And above all, stay well and stay blessed. Thank you. And goodbye. Until next time. Hi, and welcome back to my podcast. Um, This is Lana Lynn Marino. And welcome to another episode of my podcast series, uh, Wellness Journeys. Um, I'm an intuitive therapist, an energy healing therapist, and I'm here to give you some guidance supports in some challenging times. So today I'm going to be talking about the chakras and animals. Now, I mentioned in my last podcast that I've recently got a beautiful little puppy, and this little puppy is bringing up some very interesting challenges within me. Um, But more importantly, 
he's helping me to understand that uh, life isn't perfect, but it can be beautiful. And we are challenged every, every walk, every step, every moment, every second. Our mind can be changed just by an interaction with someone that has a negative point of view or challenges you on something that maybe you're defending. And if we're defending our wounding, if we're defending something from our past, then, you know, that is something that needs to be challenged. So journeys, journeys to wellness. Um, we can't really escape the fact that our past has been a journey. And as Caroline Mice talks about in Anatomy of the Spirit, she talks about our biography becoming our biology. And on page 40 of Anatomy of the Spirit, she goes on to say, according to energy medicine, we are all living history books. Our bodies contain our histories, every chapter, line and verse of every event and relationship in our lives. As our lives unfold, our biological health becomes a living, breathing, biographical statement that conveys our strengths, weaknesses, hopes and fears. Every thought you have had has travelled through your biological system and activated a physiological response. Some thoughts are like depth charges, causing a reaction throughout the body. A fear, for instance, activates every system of your body. Your stomach tightens, your heart races, your heart rate increases, and you may break into a sweat. A loving thought can relax your entire body. Some thoughts are more subtle and still others are unconscious. Many are meaningless and pass through the body like wind through a screen, requiring no conscious attention and their influence upon our health is minimal. Yet each conscious thought, and many unconscious ones, does generate a physiological response. All our thoughts, regardless of their content, first enter our system as energy. Those that carry emotional, mental, psychological or spiritual energy produce biological responses that are then stored in our cellular memory. Caroline Mice in her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, goes on to say that in this way, our biographies are woven into our biological systems gradually, slowly, every day. So on that note, um, I was speaking in my last podcast about my puppy and all six inches of him, who's very dependent on me at the moment to show him, to teach him to discipline him, but more importantly, to give him love. And the same can go to when we have children, you know, our, our babies, babies, puppies, kittens, babies, anything to do with baby, birth, new life, is dependent on us as adults that have grown um, through our own experiences to be able to either project our pain onto that young one or to actually use our past as a way of not becoming the future for that little one that you're taking care of so in that what i mean is the victim can sometimes become the perpetrator 
And we see this a lot. I see this a lot with working with clients that um, sometimes become abusive. They become objective to um, love and kindness. And they find it hard to trust. If we are trusting our instincts, if we are trusting the higher self, if we are trusting life as a new puppy, as a new baby, then they don't have the same experience as we've had. We've had a life of complex trauma in some shape or form on different levels. Subtle trauma, PTSD, um, can be in a very subtle place or it can be to the extreme. Trauma in childhood and in the early stages of life, as I'm talking about now with my puppy, if I were to start beating my puppy for pooing on the carpet or weeing in the wrong place, then that becomes the norm for him. That would make him believe, not think, because animals don't have the ability to um, differentiate thoughts and analyze things the same way that human humans do. But that would set up um, a belief that um, it would be normal for him to expect a beating every time he went to poo in the same place. So he would keep pooing in the same place, knowing that he's going to get a beating. But by extending love and discipline and saying, naughty boy, naughty, and using a terminology that he starts to recognize that there's bad and there's good. When he does something good, when he scratches the door to go outside, then I give him a treat. I give him a reward, but I give him a reward not just in, in something to eat, but also in a cuddle. And cuddles are so important. Even, you know, some people that I've worked with, some people that have suffered huge abuse, it's interesting that the one thing that they do remember are the cuddles and the love that they got. It's almost like they've accepted the crumbs from the table, but they know that they've, they were never going to get the cake. So animals have chakras. I've discovered just the same way as humans. They have auras too. Um, dogs and cats both have, have an energy body and each have their own chakra centers. So the animal chakra system also emits different color vibrations. And this is dependent on the shape and intensity of the energy in each center. The color schemes of the animal chakra system are similar as the human system is and the functions are nearly the same. In four-legged animals, the main difference is that the alignment and chakra positions are often horizontal instead of vertical. So as humans, we stand on two feet, animals stand on four feet. So that makes so much sense. The energy field is usually much wider than in humans because of an animal's natural survival instinct. So the aura tends to absorb much more sensory information than humans. They receive and distribute every energy through each chakra individually, which makes them very sensitive to more subtle vibrations and the changes within the atmosphere or environment. All animals have an etheric chakra 
and we're talking about the etheric chakra, which is the base chakra, um, just like humans. And most have, animals have eight major chakras instead of seven, which humans have, and up to 21 minor chakras and six smaller energy points known as bud chakras. That's four paw pads and the bud of skin at the opening of the ears. This is very interesting because you would never think that animals, we see animals as being just little bundles of joy or inconveniences, but animals are, they're an emblem of God. And from a Buddhist perspective, you know, everything as a life, if something is moving, if it's a microorganism in, you know, a, um, a water tank, if something is moving, it has life. And if it has life, then it has energy. Alongside the seven major chakras that animals share with humans, and that's the crown chakra, the third eye, which is the brow chakra, and that's in between our eyebrows, the throat chakra, the heart chakra, the solar plexus chakra, which is just below our breastbone, the sacral, which is by our belly button, and the root, there is another major chakra which, which is unique to animals only. Now, I didn't know this, um, and I was quite surprised and excited to read that uh, this eighth chakra is called the um, brachial or the key chakra. And most animals have eight major active chakras which play an important role in their general behavior. So these chakras can be stimulated and healed in a variety of ways. Now, little Teddy, every morning, he gets a cuddle and he gets what I call an energy massage. Now, <laughs> to do this, what I do is I sit him on my lap and I literally, with my fingertips, very gently, very fastly, I exercise my fingers all over his body mostly around his rib cage, coming up his spine, up to his neck, around to his throat, up to the top of his head, and down, down to his snout, and then under, down into his chest, and then down into his paws. So I'm doing this very fast, and what this does, I've learned, is it's actually creating energy, just like us when we go to the gym and we work out, and we have, we have a physical run, you know, we go for a jog, and we're increasing the endorphins. So there's a, there's a ripple effect here with our animals that if we can learn to actually treat them the way that we would treat our, our own body, then that is the essence of actually giving love to this beautiful little creature. But what are we getting from that? What are we gaining from having a pet? Well, as I talked about in my last podcast, um, I talked about gratitude and depression and how can you have gratitude when you're depressed. And we have to think about depression as a mental health issue and our mental health needs looking after the same way that our physical health needs looking after. So depression is something that is there and research has shown that when you take an animal 
or a pet into a hospital ward with terminally ill patients, the vibration and that person's health system changes dramatically because they're experiencing the endorphins of happiness that are being transmitted through the brain. So there, it, it, it has a, a knock-on effect where the whole body becomes like a, a huge vibration that starts to pulsate at a higher level. Energy healing can greatly benefit any, any animal. Um, and similar to the human energy system, when an animal chakra is blocked or has insufficient energy, then the system becomes imbalanced. So I want to talk about this in the way that I just spoke about when an animal is mistreated. I've been to the West Indies many times and I've lived in Jamaica. I was in Jamaica at one point for over a month living with family. And I was living up in the hills in the, the country part. Now, obviously, there was a lot of poverty up there um, with people that barely could feed themselves, let alone their animals. And I remember one day going to this store and um, my family member had a puppy that they just got. Now the puppy was being reared as a, a guard dog, which most people in the Caribbean will raise a, a dog for purely to guard the house and to, 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 to be a guard dog, a watchdog for danger. But I went into this store and it was so funny because there was a lot of people in there. And I asked the the guy um, behind the counter, the old man, uh, for a particular brand of dog food. And it was like something out of um, <laughs> out of a movie because everyone in the shop, you know, that were chatting amongst themselves because this old man started laughing, just turned around. And some people had heard what I said and people started laughing. And basically this, this older gentleman said, you must be joking. We can hardly feed ourselves dog food. We don't sell dog food. Dogs will find their own food. They're, they eat what they're given. And it, it made me realize, it, it made me realize, you know, my naivety at that time, being very naive about other people and other people's survival in the world. And I think it started to open up in me the understanding of how different cultures treat animals. And, um, you know, going to India and seeing, being stuck in a traffic jam for nearly an hour because a cow was in front of our bus. And it, you know, the cow, as most of you will know, is seen as the, you know, a very sacred animal in that part of the world. But going back to the Caribbean and the West Indies, where this this family, my family that I was staying with, sadly, they had this beautiful little puppy and it was being rare to be a guard dog and just that. Ultimately, um, I started to notice as I was going around that how animals were treated and there was one animal in particular where I, I literally sat down and cried because this animal was being beaten and it was horrible to watch and he didn't have no meat on him it was practically a skeleton so when I think now about and learning about the chakra system and animals that animal learning from a very young age, as we do as children, that life might not be safe. And 
there's something that um, as humans, as, as elders, as adults, we have a responsibility to looking after our young people, our children, our puppies, our kittens. And animal chakras um, have shown me, or learning about animal chakras has shown me that the way we look after ourselves and the way we look after other people has only to be beneficial for our mental health. If I am choosing to hold my puppy and to bring love to him, then he will reciprocate that with bringing me love. So you can see how our biography becomes our biology. If I was hurt so much in my younger years, which I was on many levels, and I think back to my, my pet that I had, I wasn't the same looking after her as I am now looking after my young pet that I've got today. Sometimes I would get very angry with her and very upset. And why are you doing that? And why are you not listening to me? And I didn't have the understanding because I was still in a lot of pain from things that I'd experienced as a child. So it took a little while. And I'm not saying for any minute, any moment that, um, you know, as young people, you are not you are not capable of looking after a pet. I'm not saying that. But what we're shown what we are shown by adults, if our parents have given us the right upbringing, if they've taught us the right moral, if they've given us the right moral compass, the right value system, and at the same time give us discipline and love, the way that I give my pet discipline, but equals amount of love. I don't hit Teddy. I don't really shout at Teddy, but I've got a certain tone that Teddy listens to. I begin to notice when when he's afraid, if there's a bigger dog when we're walking down the road, then his ears go back. If he hears a noise that frightens him, that vibrates in his energy system, his ears go back, his eyes open wider, he's alert. As I was saying, if an animal chakra is blocked or has insufficient energy, then the system becomes imbalanced. And this can eventually result in behavior and emotional issues or a physical disease in the area connected to that chakra. So similar methods and techniques for healing chakra imbalances in humans can also be used on animals to restore balance and prevent or assist in healing related issues. Similar to the human system, each organ of the animal's body also corresponds to one of the chakras. So a specific physical issue can be targeted by directing energy towards the chakra related to the issue. Animals are much more perceptive of subtle energy than humans. And I think you will see this in the way that um, what I'm starting to understand and see is that if my puppy comes into contact with certain people, I've noticed that he barks a lot. If he comes into contact with people that I know are very loving, have very open hearts. It's almost like he goes to them, he just wants to sniff their hand. So he has a, a different response 
because what he we we now know he's actually feeding into and his perception is around that field animals can see energy fields the same way that we as humans have that skill over time and that gift to be able to see human energy fields and human chakras since animals are naturally more grounded and connected to the root chakra energy, then they have a more instinctually way of keeping the energy of their lower chakra centers in balance. So that means the more exercise you give your pet, the more connected he is to the earth, the more connected he is to Mother Earth, then the more you're going to get from him. It's hard to believe that dogs recently are being trained to um, discover COVID-19 in someone. And this is research recently that is it's something very new. But the way that dogs are trained to be a blind person's perception is the same thing. The higher chakras in an animal are often closed but they can be opened and activated with assistance. And as I said earlier, this comes from, you know, when I give Teddy his, his morning energy massage and I take time to really exercise around the crown chakra, around his little head and throat. Before beginning any energy healing work on an animal though, it helps to gently massage each energy center first and so this helps the animal to become more relaxed and receptive. We have to remember that the animal health advice on this page that I'm reading is not intended to be used as a su substitute for, veter for a vet's medical treatment when necessary. Animal energy healing is often used as a supplementary practice along with traditional veterinary care. So I just wanted to add that at the end because, um, you know, I spoke to a friend recently and she suggested that I buy him some cheesy, snacky, kind of chewy things. And the first thing I said was, um, oh, I don't want him to have mucus form in food, which when I look back on that statement, mucus form in food, I'm really talking to myself knowing that what I put into my body as a consequence to pay. And I know that if I eat too much cheese, then I'm, mucus is building up in my body. I know if I'm eating too much meat, acid is building up in my body. So it makes sense that if you have a pet, um, you treat your pet the way that you would treat yourself. Animals are creatures that are given to us. They're God's creatures, whatever God means to you. And we have to respect them and love them and listen to them. The way that we listen to our own children, the way that we listen to other humans. The world at the moment is in a lot of pain. There's a lot of conflict globally with people not wanting to hear, but being forced to hear the voices of black lives, the voices of brown and people from different cultures, different races. It doesn't mean to say that um, we have to stop listening to ourselves. 
All it means is that we're opening up in transitional state of mind. We're in transition where we're starting to learn. We're starting to learn about other people. We're starting to learn about ourselves. We're starting to learn about our planet in a way that we've never learned before. We, we're going through a stage of evolution where just looking at a tree and seeing that that tree has so much life in it, so much energy, and what we can learn from looking at life. This adds on to learning about our own mental state and the healing process that can come about just by learning to be in nature, learning to listen to our pets, our children, children of the world. I want to leave you with um, something that I read every day and it's something that has helped me to open up to life and to open my heart to the loveliness of life and to understand that life doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Let nothing grieve thee and be thou angered at none. It behoveth thee to be content with the will of God and a true and loving and trusted friend to all the peoples of the earth, without any exceptions, whatever. This is the quality of the sincere, the way of the saints, the emblem of those who believe in the unity of God. And that comes from the Baha'i Holy Scriptures. You've been listening to myself, Lana Lynn Marino. I hope that you are well. Um, I hope your journey today, whatever you choose to do, is a good one. Take care. And please, if you want to send me a message, you can do through my um, Anchor FM message um, line, which is, I think I'm going to be able to add that at the end of this this podcast but um you can also find me on all the different platforms of podcast and others so take care my wellnessjourneys.co.uk website has an update of uh, different workshops that i'm running although that some of them have been sustained simply because or stopped simply because of covid But I look forward to being with you again. Take care. Have a great day. And above all, stay well and stay blessed. Thank you. And goodbye. Until next time.